The Kinky Cocktail Hour is brought to you by Motor Bunny, the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator that offers fabulous creative sexual experiences. We use it and it rotates, it vibrates, and it delivers mind-blowing orgasms. Enjoy Motor Bunny as your favorite sex toy. When you order the Motor Bunny, multiple attachments are included along with the link controller, which allows wireless control from anywhere. Motor Bunny is the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator on earth. Use the link in the show notes and spice up your sex life with a Motor Bunny. You're listening to Kinky Cocktail Hour, a conversation between adults about sex-forward relationships, kinky lifestyles, and frank communication. If you're under 18, please stop listening and visit scarletteen.com. I'm Lady Petra, and my pronouns are she, hers, and we. I'm Safa Master, and my pronouns are him, his, and we. And this is Kinky Cocktail Hour. Cheers! Cheers. What are we drinking today? We're having a drink I call a spring afternoon. Mm. It's pretty much equal shots of gin Mm -hmm. and Amaro Rosina. Oh, nice. And it's served over an ice bowl, and it's a pretty pink color. Yeah. And it's got a nice aroma. Oh, it's got a little orange bitters in it, too. Does it? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, the ice will the ice will help it. Yeah, it'll be an interesting. The Rosino is kind of like a Campari. Yeah, it makes it taste a bitter, like a bitter. Yeah, but not as bad as the. No, no, no. Yeah, that's good. I like it. Yes. Today's conversation is brought to you by WeMinder a behavior chart app for kinky couples like us. Learn more at weminder.app. Excited to have Susanna Weiss back on the conversation. Yes. Today we're going to have a deep dive into female sexual power and all the ways that it's expressed. Yeah, and the way women see and express themselves. Sexual beings as well as in just society, how we have our power itself because that changes from place to place yeah and strata by class and all of that obviously lots of different ways so Susanna welcome to the conversation thank you so tell us what your sort of global thoughts are about female sexual power where we are in this current iteration of life in America Hmm. well I think that well someone said something really interesting to me once that she's not sure if power is what we should be aiming for Because it's like power almost implies power over somebody else as opposed to just like sharing power. Well, if you share it, it's not exactly power. But so I thought that that was interesting. It was a sociology professor named Lisa Wade who said that, like, I don't know if power is what we should be aiming for. What about connection or empathy or just like people being on the same level? So um, I agree with that. But if you... You know, if you mean power in a broad sense, just in terms of like empowerment, I think that female sexual empowerment basically means that our sexuality comes from ourselves, that it's not um, 
that we're not performing for anyone else, unless we're conscious about that and we get turned on by the thought of performing, but just that um, we're connected to our genuine desire and that, um, you know, there's emphasis on what we want rather than how we look. There's emphasis on how we feel rather than just how someone else is perceiving us. I think that's right. And one of the things that I've noticed in recent times is the movement, the Me Too movement, for example, put women front and center in a political context. But there's a undercurrent at the same time of women coming out as sexual creatures, right? So there's female-led relationships, there's femdom, there's different ways. Like even in our life, even Lady Petra as a submissive is a sexually powerful creature. And so I'm curious about the way female sexual power plays in all those different realms. Well, I think that being submissive can be as empowering as being dominant. But I think the most empowering thing is to be able to choose whether you want to be submissive or dominant or neither in any moment. So someone just, you know, if someone's put in a box, it doesn't really matter what the box is. It's people don't want to be put in boxes. So I think that, um, you know, true power means to be able to say, right now, I feel like being submissive. Right now, I feel like being dominant. And, um, you know, to not have to identify as either. And yeah, I do think, you know, there's some data showing that women who make the first move in a dating scenario, like who will ask someone out or start a conversation on a dating site have more success. So I think there should be more awareness of that and of the fact that like, because people, they almost um, couch it in this language of like, well, you know, it's not because it's not because of gender roles. It's just because, you know, women who will um, be pursued, they find more masculine men. But I don't think that's the reality of it. I think, you know, if um, I'm not sure if that's what you mean by female-led relationships, but I think there should be an opportunity for women to do that and realize that doesn't even necessarily make you submissive or dominant um, to state what they want. Like that could be a submissive thing to say what you want and then the dom decides if they deliver it could it could really go both ways um so i think that saying what you want is important and i think that um also being allowed to be submissive and not be considered a bad feminist because of that is also important well oh my god you hit it the nail on the head because this is how i have experienced my world because I worked for many feminist women's health centers and that kind of thing, supporting the abortion movement over the years. And without knowing during this time that my love language was submissive, but yet anyone outside of who I've chosen is I'm a dominant to. I remember having a clash in the feminist movement regarding power and women in the venues I was in, if you weren't lesbian, you weren't in power. It was as if lesbian made you more feminist. <laughs> and I remember fighting back on that violently. Like just because I'm married and heterosexual doesn't mean that I'm not a feminist. And I remember there being a rift on kind of an elitism like you're a better feminist. That's the problem with women is that we have to get away from these 
areas that separate us and we need to unite so that we're, I'm not saying we have to be all the same idea, but we need to unite so that people take us seriously because they run into all these other factions of us and men in a general sense are not going to dive deep on that and they're just going to generalize. Men aren't part of the club. They aren't part of the club. Wow, that's really interesting. You like you were considered a bad feminist just for not being a lesbian. When was that? Probably in the mid-90s up through 2005. I probably left that arena and I left it to pursue my own dreams. But at the same time, I probably could have stayed there and worked out an arrangement to stay involved. But I just couldn't because I was just like, what's the direction here? You say you want us all on board. You say you want us to fight. Most of the things I believe in the same as you, but yet I'm not enough. Like I'm telling you, there was an actual hierarchy within, I worked at a, um, abortion facility actually and there was a hierarchy in the facility yeah i mean that whole idea of like being you know you have to be a lesbian or you're not a feminist that almost seems sexist in of itself because i feel like it comes from this idea that men are horrible and like should be avoided and are just innately bad which is a gender stereotype in and of itself. So that seems to me anti-feminist. Well, it's interesting you say that because we just had a conversation before we started the pod of saying just in general of, you know, managers I've had in charge of me or supervisors. And I said, quite honestly, I've had some shitty men supervising me. But in general, I've had way more men who have been supportive of my advancement in my own career and supportive of my path than I have had of women. Why do you think that is? I think, I'm just going to generalize because I don't know the answer. This is totally extrapolation. But after my transformation with Saffir over time and I'm getting to know myself better, I know that as a switch, I am submissive to my chosen one, which is Saffir. To everyone else, I'm a dominant. That's it. That's just what happens. And I think I threaten people. I think I scare people a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I've heard a lot of women say, like, women are crueler to women than men are. I almost wonder, though, if that's a stereotype also, because it sort of encourages the idea that women are catty or that women, you know, can't get along with other women. I don't know if I've experienced either. I think I've had good experiences with women and men, but maybe it has to do with how women are socialized to compete with one another, Um, that women end up being unkind toward other women. I think you're right on that. I think that's what it is, is it's competition. I think generationally, my assumption is you're younger than I am. And so in the generation I came up in, there were obviously more male supervisors. And then we were on the cusp of women. I'm actually one of the cusps of the women that actually did something that was not only a man-dominated field. So I didn't have the safety net of other women in front of me to say, this is how it's done. I had to just make it up as I go. I think an advantage I had truly by accident was my upbringing. I live with all brothers, so I knew how to deal with men. So I dealt with leadership in a way that a man would. And I think that put off women who were coming on the generations right behind me And when I've been 
hunting lately for like even new positions, it's difficult when I come up against women interviewers. Yeah. So getting back to the conversation about female sexual power, what I'm interested in is the way female sexual power uplifts and allows women to be more self-actualized, in fact. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I definitely think that there is a connection between your sexuality and the rest of your life because it's your body. Like when you get to decide what you do with your body, you feel empowered to decide anything. Like I noticed personally when I was sort of going through a sexual awakening and I was like becoming really conscious of what do I want? What am I just okay with, you know, and getting what I want. I also felt more comfortable getting what I want in other areas, like with my health, you know, saying no to things that doctors prescribed me that like didn't actually feel good or going after career opportunities, you know, because if you're taught that your physical body is less, how can you not feel like you are less? Yeah, I think that's part of it, you know. And at the same time, there's a shift like I'm noticing in the world of sexuality where there's a number of ways that women are self-expressed as sexual creatures in a dominant paradigm. Like in the world of cuckold relationships, for example, the women are the dominant partner. They play sexually outside of their marriage. Their partner is submissive to them and monogamous, but they're polyamorous by and large. For example, we've talked to female-led relationship folks where the partner in that relationship, the submissive male partner, presents himself to be disciplined by his wife, for example. So there's just a shift, like a cultural shift that's occurred. It's certainly for some people, not for everybody, but for some. And then there's another aspect, which is you know, we started this conversation with our relationship. Lady Petra is a submissive to me, but she's absolutely a powerful sexual creature in that submissive dynamic. So I just think there's a really interesting shift occurring in the freedom to be sexually self-expressed authentically. If that in makes the sense. way, yeah, in the way you want to be. In the way you want to be, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if it's interesting, you say often the submissive is the one with the power because I feel like you know if you're if you're submissive because it's something that you want to do and the dom is catering to your desires you could actually be the one with the power or um I don't know what do you think of that do you think that in general if a woman is dominant that she has more power so I definitely want to address this this is so good that you brought this up so a submissive is not just uh getting her needs met as a real submissive, most submissives fall under the confines of being service oriented. And so people wonder, like, is that housekeeping? Is it what? And it could be, or servicing sexually. But what it is, is the submissive has a love language in service. And that could be anything to that sub. And they're releasing their power to their dominant, who with obviously consent and agreements have been made. It's really up to the dominant to choose whatever the dominant wants to do. Now, obviously, there are toxic scenarios of this, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about consensual agreements within a healthy kink dynamic. I mean, I don't know what Safford's going to do next. Yeah, but Susanna, what I'm getting at is that she's self-expressed as a sexual creature, and I've been witness to an expansion of her power as an overall 
well-rounded human being, right? Like I've seen her grow as a human being as she's become more self-expressed as a sexual creature. And I think that's because that's an expression of me. My love language is an expression of me. Yeah. So that's what I'm getting at is like, there's a world where women are becoming more powerful in general as a result of being sexually self-expressed, either submissively or in a dominant paradigm. What about in the case of cuckolding? Like if um, someone has that arrangement, what if they're doing it because it was the man's fantasy? Then is she, then is the woman still the dominant one? Yes, it would be because everything in kink is based on agreement. Yeah. And so you can top from the bottom or whatever, agree to things. For example, Saffron may ask me to do something to him which would make me seem in an image if someone took a video of us that I'm being dominant. But the reality is I'm still in a power exchange and he has asked for something and I'm a willing participant to provide pleasure. And so that happens all the time in kink. It's all based on communication and agreement. Yeah, well, the world of cuckolding is interesting because... In the context of the scene you described where a male has a fantasy and the female takes advantage of that opportunity, she's really getting to explore her sexuality with different partners. Now, I don't know whether that's considered topping from the bottom if it's the male's original fantasy, but she has to have agreement, which is what Lady Petra is getting at, because consent is everything in kink. And once she's in agreement to pursue, and we've actually interviewed a couple where it was driven by the male's desire and his wife got in, you know, she got involved in the fantasy and then eventually became sort of the driver of the conversation. So now, you know, he's a caged cuckold and his wife is sexually self-expressed with her multiple partners. So I'm not sure that, you know, we have to delve into the mechanics of cuckolding. What I'm thinking about is really how female power, as expressed either in a submissive or a dominant paradigm, uplifts femininity in a general sense. Yeah, well, I think that showing women, you know, portrayals of women who are dominant are important. And that, um, you know, maybe if we saw more porn with, women in dominant positions, maybe it would feel more natural for a woman to be someone's boss or to be a political leader. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, I think that just I think it's more about the opportunity just to be in whatever role that you want. But I do think it's interesting that like when I am in BDSM communities that I've been involved in, like I most often see women as submissives and men men as dominant. And I do wonder if that has to do with a culture where women are expected to be submissive. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It could be that people are sort of playing around with that stereotype and like finding a way to enjoy it and people all have their personal reasons for doing things but sometimes I wonder you know is that cultural and is that um is that problematic should we should we be trying to change that you can't really change what people's personal preferences are but maybe just having like greater representation of women who are dominant and like I don't know I've spoken to some dominatrixes who have just opened my mind up and sort of, you know, showed me how it can be fun for a woman to be in charge. So 
these are all interesting things. I'm not sure if I have the answer or like what the connection is between dominance in sex and dominance in life. Because sometimes you see the opposite. Sometimes someone's really dominant in life and submissive in sex. Um, So it's an interesting question whether having more female dominance in sex would make for more in the rest of life or vice versa. Do you think they would? Yeah, well, I mean, I think there are a couple things. Like, for example... There's something like 40 times the number of men who are submissive seeking female dominance than there are dominant women looking for men. Like it's 40 to one. It's a crazy number. In terms of sex work or just in terms of looking for partners? No, partners. No, just males who are seeking a partner. Yeah, they're sexually submissive. And they're heterosexual. And what they want is a a dominant female partner. And these males are also like full-on hardcore dominant professionals. But they like to flip on their personal life. Yeah. So there's that. But secondly, I wanted to put a fine point on this. I'm not suggesting that dominant female sexually are more successful or in, in life in general. I'm saying, is female sexual self-expression an avenue to female power in general, right? So I'm looking at the relationship between sexuality and power and whether you're dominant or submissive. And let's just make the assumption that there's always consent, regardless of which side of the slash you're on. I'm asking if you're a sexually self-expressed female and you're getting exactly what you want sexually to have occur, does that translate into you can confront the mechanic more easily or you can interact with your coworker more easily or you can, you know, sit in a business meeting and, you know, pull financing more easily? I guess that's what I'm getting at. Yeah, I mean, I think that comes down to learning how to be in your body and be in touch with your desires. And I do think that those skills translate. Um, If you can learn how to tune into what you desire and know what you want and express it like that's a skill that you will have in any situation and um it also comes down to knowing that your pleasure matters because that's if you teach someone that their pleasure doesn't matter in the bedroom you're also kind of teaching them that in general like it doesn't really matter what makes them happy um And there's all these connections. You know, I've worked with some women who are um, afraid to take up space or afraid to, you know, just do things they enjoy to do to give themselves downtime. And like often these women also struggle with asking for what they want in the bedroom or with receiving pleasure. So I think in general, like working on these issues during sex, like will help you in the rest of your life and vice versa, like learning how to be kind to yourself and say what you want in general helps you do that in the bedroom. Now you've taught some workshops on female sexual orgasm, right? So tell us what you've learned from interacting with women around their orgasm. What I've learned is that a lot of women, a lot of women, you know, just don't, there's a lot of misconceptions about women's sexuality. There's, you know, many women who are expecting to orgasm through penetration, who think that there's something wrong with them if they need clitoral stimulation, um, who feel a lot of pressure, especially in heterosexual relationships, to focus on the man's pleasure and please the man. 
or who feel uncomfortable receiving pleasure because then maybe they're afraid they won't orgasm so they don't even want to try or maybe they're um, self-conscious about how they look or their mind is elsewhere um there's a lot of a lot of feelings of unworthiness um yeah, and if you want to talk about power, there's there's a lot of women feeling bad about saying what they want or about um, giving instructions or like potentially damaging a partner's ego. There's, um, you know, and that shows up like in the workplace, you know, sometimes women are afraid to speak up for themselves or just... If, like, a woman is mistreated, she's afraid to speak up for herself. And that happens in the bedroom as well. And I think women, if they struggle with this, then they usually struggle with it across the board, not just in one area. Yeah, you're kind of making my point, I think. Yeah. I think you're getting at it. I mean, so, you know, you've taught all these women about their orgasm so can you connect the dots for us can you connect how to help women understand that their personal power maybe is sourced in their sexual power yeah i think i think that uh your personal power comes from being connected to your feeling of hell yes and your feeling of no and if you can get that down in the bedroom and understand what you're a hell yes to and understands what you're a no to and not be afraid to say no, then that gives you a sense that what you are a yes to or a no to, what you want and what you don't want are important. And um, and that's necessary for any kind of interaction. And um, another part of it is just like being in your body and having pleasure in your body and feeling good in your body. Like if you are in your body, you have a superpower. You have, and I know in your body is a vague phrase. I mean, um, if you're aware of what you're feeling physically, then like you can, you can tune into other people and feel what they're feeling. You can, you can express exactly how you're feeling and you can really be in interactions with others in a way that is safe because, um, because you're present with yourself and you're able to have boundaries and like the role that sex plays in that is just, it's the ultimate experience of being in your body and being connected to your yes and no and to your intuition. Like when you're really in the moment and really into sex, you're not thinking about like, you know, what should I want? You're, you're connected to what you do want. And like just learning that skill of connecting to what you want is I think what gets you more power in life. I agree with you uh, on the journey that we've been on. I remember going through that phase, but I think there's a phase after that where you are at a place where your vulnerability with your partner is a safe place. You have agreement on all kinds of things. And so then you are in a state of being. And I think that's where tantras. uh, Being present, like really being present. Some people talk about um, subspace and dom space. Is, Is that a similar idea? No, I think subspace and dom space reflect a different experience. You know, we're not talking about the relationship between a dom and a sub. We're talking about just simply being present. You know, I read a book a long time ago by John Kabat-Zinn called Full Catastrophe Living. And he presented a opportunity in the book to discover what it means to be present. And what he said is, 
get out a box of raisins and put some raisins on the table and look at the raisins like you've never seen raisins before and actually pick one up and examine it and then eat it and taste it and just be like really interested in what a raisin actually is and how it tastes and how it chews and how it occurs to you and how sweet it is and so forth. And he said, you know, that's a really good example. Like we have a tendency as human beings to not be present. We have a tendency to do something thinking about something else. And it certainly is true in the bedroom. You actually mentioned it when you were talking earlier. You said, you know, your mind isn't there when you're having sex. You do, your, your mind's on something else. And see, well, let, let me just back up and say this. Like Lady Petra and I have made a commitment to each other that there's no space in our relationship. And so we have to take care of our relationship in a very specific way to prevent us from having space between each other when it comes to our sexuality, because you can't do what we do sexually and have space be present. You literally have to actually be present in the intensity of the moment that's occurring. She might get submissively into subspace. I might get into my dom space, but that's not what we're talking about in being present. We're talking about actually just occurring as physiological creatures during sex. And what that's created for us each individually in our own way is just given us a lot more confidence in our experience of being alive on planet Earth, by and large. I have heard some people describe subspace as a complete immersion in the moment and sort of a loss of ego. So I guess that's why that sort of came to mind as it's sort of like this ultimate feeling of being in your body. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely how it occurs in some ways for you, right? Like you yeah. actually have that experience of just being like at effect of the moment, right? Yeah, but it's more than that because we're now on an energy play level, which is uh, different. Yeah. It's just different. It's there's, I feel energy passing between us. Right. And that is taken on a whole new way. And of course, if you're not present, you won't experience that. Yeah. You won't be able to interpret that. Yeah, I think being present is necessary to get into subspace in a really real Cause, way. Cause people are taking, you know, people are thinking about what they have to do tomorrow when they're having sex or they're laundry, or they're list, laundry yeah. list or they're keeping score. Yeah. Like he licked my pussy twice, but now I've got to suck his cock three times. And right. so yeah. we're kind of off now and gee whiz. When is he ever going to eat my pussy or he, or he doesn't like eating pussy, but he makes me suck his cock all the time. And I'm always at a deficit. I mean, this, this is real conversations people have. And I, I remember in my unfulfilling marriage, I had those conversations myself because I wasn't being fulfilled, but now like (laughs) that never comes into play. Like the scorekeeping, the, none of that is there. It's just being. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, the scorekeeping is tricky because there's such an imbalance, you know, there's an orgasm gap and there's an oral sex gap where women are being pleased and having orgasms less than men. So it almost seems risky not to keep score because then how will you, how will women make sure they're not falling victim to that and that they're not, you know, that they're not receiving less pleasure than their partners. But at the same time, it's not really sexy to be counting orgasms. I I guess it's more about just making sure both people are being heard and attended to. And if you feel, and if you feel like you are, then you probably won't care how many 
times you've received or given oral sex. Yeah, so like that's not my world. <laughs> I know I'm having hundreds and thousands more orgasms than Saffir ever will. Ever will. Like ongoingly. Yeah, she might have a hundred orgasms during a scene. Yeah, easily. And so it's not about quantity or no. you know, it's definitely about quality, obviously. Right. The whole scorekeeping creates space. So I get that people do it instinctively, but every time they do it, they create space with their partner, which means they can't be present. If you can't be present, you can't be vulnerable and express yourself in a way that's, and and it's risky. You're right. People, we had to, when we first met each other, we had to go out of a paradigm of 30 year terrible marriages to this, let's just make this up new. Let's pretend nothing, none of the past exists. And we're absolutely going to just try this newly and jump in with both feet. The thing that you can, yes, you could get burned bad, right? But you can get burned anyway, even if you're careful. But we risked it to win big and we're winning big. And I think more people need to think about that because, wow, we're not getting off this dirt ball. This is it. hundred orgasms each time. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah, I can't count anymore. There's no reason to count. Well, I mean, our scenes might last an hour or two or three, and she's having orgasms from the get-go. Oh, yeah. Continuously. From continuously. On and That's on. his goal. <laughs> yeah, my goal is that she... I'm, like, a, I'm a gibbering mess <laughs> when I'm done. Do you know the phrase ahego? What phrase? Ahego. A-H-A-G-A-O. No. Yeah. She has this very sort of bewildered, confused look when we're done where she's just been orgasming for like ages. And <laughs> she's she's like, like, she likes to say, I've used her up. Yes, he's, yeah. Like people talk about, wow, sex was really intense. I'll take a nap. No, like used up. Like I am used up. I'm beyond exhausted. And there's a euphoria with that too. So obviously yeah, there's that, a lot of hormones going on. That's why we on. keep doing it. That's why we keep doing it. <laughs> Well, I would like to know your trick because I I teach about orgasms, but I've never had a hundred in one sitting. Yeah, it it, comes, I, it down, comes down to what we're saying comes, very com- simply. Yeah, it comes down to no this, space, Susanna. Honestly, you literally have to be present with your partner in a way where you can literally allow yourself to be truly vulnerable. You should use the heart example because even if they're not in, in serious relationship, I think everyone who's playing can use that example, the heart with a knife. Yeah. So this is what it took me and I'm, you know, I'm not a young man and I've lived in a very unfulfilling marriage, but since I was three years old, I believed I wasn't lovable. Like that was my core belief. Right. And so no matter who I was with, I would look for evidence that I wasn't lovable because even if they said they loved me, they would also be doing and saying things where it clearly was the case that they weren't. (laughs) And so I got present to all of this. And with Lady Petra, I said to her at one point, it took a while. It took us about two years to get to this place. About. Yeah. About two years. I said to her eventually, I said, look, I just had to be willing to give you my heart. So in one hand, you hold my heart. And in another hand, you get to hold a rapier or a sharp knife. And it's up to you if you stab my heart. It's completely up to you. I have to give myself over to you. Knowing it could happen. Knowing that that could happen, but not not anticipating it, but just it, like that's the possibility. I could actually be hurt. And it wasn't until I was able to give up that level of 
trust and intimacy. And to make yourself vulnerable. Yeah, I had to literally physically make myself vulnerable so that in the world of sexuality, I could actually express myself fully as a sexual creature without fear. And judgment. And ju- yeah, and judgment. I agree. It all comes down to vulnerability and to receiving, to, to be able to let someone in and to not have to stay in control. Although as a dom, maybe you are in control. Maybe I'm just speaking for subs. I feel like a lot of it is a lot of like being able to experience your full pleasure has to do with being willing to give up control, being willing to give up goals, being willing to give up any preconceived notion of what should happen. Yeah, well, it's this, right? It's that with her, I'm actually able to be fully self-expressed without constraint. That's what's possible in my sexuality with her. And with me, she's able to be fully self-expressed as a sexual creature without constraint. And the impact of that is we have sexual encounters regularly, like day after day after day for years now, where our experience of each other as sexual creatures is absolutely mind-blowing. With It eclipses the last last time we were together. Yeah, each time we think that, well, that was the hottest that's ever happened. Yeah. Right? Each that's, time. And, and, and I'm not kidding. Like yesterday, as an example, she probably had 100 orgasms in an hour. <laughs> probably. I feel lightheaded. <laughs> you should share this with people. Have you thought about creating an OnlyFans or something where you show people how this is done? We've we started a, to create more writings we and have more... A podcast. Pod, and the podcast, obviously, and then we've actually done we're because we we're actually going to be we talking we're journal be, our journey. Yeah, we journal it, but we're actually going to be talking down at DomCon. We're doing a in LA in LA. We're doing a conversation on kink dynamics, like kink Power relationship exchanges. dynamics, because you know, for us, the access to this experience was through kink. Like each of us started in kink, and we got together through kink, and then we started to form relationship on top of our kink. And so that was our access. But it really, it's all relationship-based, right? It's all It all comes down to being completely in communication. It comes down to being vulnerable. It comes down to being no trusting. It come, for us, it comes down to there's nothing wrong and there's no space. Like, those are the two things. Well, and I think it helps. We had a lifetime and I don't know if I would say it was terrible because the only reason I met you is to have that lifetime before, but we had the lifetime before of these vanilla experiences and these unfulfilling things. And we took away from that and learned a lot. And so then when we met each other, we just said, Oh, we're going to nip this in the butt. We're We're not going to do that. We're not going to waste time on this bullshit stuff that people do. We're just going to get to the nitty gritty and figure out, Hey, do I like you? Do you like me? Do our demons play well together? Yes. Can we make it work? Okay, now game on. Yeah. It's a process, right? Do you think this kind of pleasure is possible in a, you know, when you're not in a committed relationship? So that's a great question. And we talk about that. We don't know the answer. You know, there's, well, just using kink as an example. So there are lifestyle kinksters like us in a 24-7 dynamic. And then there, a lot of kink is in the world of role play. And role players definitely describe some of the same experiences we have. But for me, I am not fulfilled outside of relationship. Because before I met her, I took a deep dive into S&M and kink. And I was having like killer sex like everywhere. 
but I was completely unfulfilled as a human being, right? Like my humanity wasn't being fulfilled just through sex. I needed something more. And so for me, my self-expression requires intimacy for that to play out. Now we've like, I keep telling her we need to bottle this shit. Yeah. I don't know how to bottle it because we like to say that we got here by doing the work. And see, that's the part that most people miss. Well, and I think, and I won't say this for all role players, but the people that contact me most about what we're up to and wanting to have something similar or along the lines of what we're up to are role players, are weekend warrior kinksters who aren't in a 24-7, who are meeting up or hooking up, could be same partner or multiple partners, and... I don't know if I have the answers for them because for me, I don't turn it off. My submission for Sapphire doesn't turn off. It's just there. And it doesn't feel like I'm, oh, today I wake up, I have to figure out how to be the most submissive I can to please him. It, it It's natural. Yeah. So I don't know that we have an answer to that question. What we have are some tools that we'll share when we do the kink relationship dynamics at DomCon. And, you know, we've podcasted about this for three years, and it really comes down to who you are as an individual and what you're willing to do to be unconstrained in your sexuality, because we believe... if you're willing to do the work, because lots of people talk about it. Yeah. We believe that if you actually do the work, you can actually have an unconstrained sexual experience where you can literally just occur as animal creatures in sexuality. I mean, what I tend to think is that if you can have the best sex of your life on your own, then you can bring that to any partner you're with. Like if you can learn how to just experience pure ecstasy and orgasm and out of mind, out of body experiences with yourself, then you can have that with anyone because you can provide yourself what you need there and you can ask for what you need. So I like to think, you know, because some people, they don't necessarily want to be in committed relationships or they don't have one. And I like to think those people can experience just as much pleasure as those who do have a long-term partner. Well, I mean, you're not wrong, right? Like when you're not in a committed relationship, you can still have great sex. I'm not suggesting that that's not available to you. What I'm saying is what we have as a committed partnership in sexuality, where we are both committed to each other's sexual freedom and sexual self-expression, like what we have wasn't available to me as a sexual creature. And I was having like really killer sex with really interesting women doing really kinky things that I really wanted to do. And I was enjoying it tremendously. And like, that was like level two on a 10 scale of available opportunities for me compared to what I'm living now, where I'm living on, we turned it up to 11, you know? (laughs) Yeah. It does seem like to have, you know, to have a dom sub relationship, you really do need to trust the person. Otherwise I can't, I can't see it working if you, want to submit to someone but can't completely trust them or if you want to dominate someone but can't completely trust them to let you know where their boundaries are that goes both ways absolutely true okay so this is we have to like the podcast we have to end it (laughs) (laughs) really enjoy chatting with you Susanna thank you so much for coming on yeah thank you that's it for today 
If you're interested in kinky relationship coaching, online domination, or if you'd like to sponsor the pod to keep it going, please visit our Patreon website at Lady Petra Playground. You can reach me via email at ladypetraplayground at gmail.com. Our music is composed and performed by Roger Ferguson, who can be found at rogerfergusonmusic.com. Till next time, cheers! Thank you.